Welcome to the Snowboarding Podcast, All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Snowboarding. I'm Chris Rogers. And I'm Nick Alfieri. This is the podcast where myself and Chris talk about all the life lessons we've learned from snowboarding, not just the good ones, but some of the struggles we've had along the way. So please stay tuned for this week's episode. Welcome to the Snowboarding Podcast, All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Snowboarding. I'm Chris Rogers. And I'm Nick Alfieri. This is the podcast where myself and Chris talk about all the life lessons we've learned from snowboarding, not just the good ones, but some of the struggles we've had along the way. So please stay tuned for this week's episode. Okay, so this week's episode, we're talking about training tips to improve your riding. I know that I've had to go through certain processes to become a better snowboarder, and these are some training tips we've learned along the way. Chris, what would you say are some of the uh, top tips you may have for people out there looking to improve their riding? I think one of the biggest areas that I see an opportunity for instructors to really work on their riding is looking at movements, not outcomes. And I think we, we talk about this often in terms of teaching, that it's important that you teach movements, not outcomes. But then you hear instructors in the locker room like, oh, I want to go work on a 360, or I want to go work on a front board, or I want to go work on my retraction carve turns. And we get really hung up ourselves on those tasks, probably because they're linked to exam tasks. But we look at those tasks as things we need to work on versus the movements that make those tasks possible. Yeah, I see it all the time in candidates trying to train for a specific task or something like they may, let's say they're unsuccessful at a retracted carve turn. And so they're heel to toe, they're not actually retracting. So they might go out and they practice that carve turn with retraction all the time, when really it's the skill of retraction that they need to work on. And so they actually need to go out and practice that skill all over the mountain, practice it in the trees, practice it in the bumps, practice it everywhere they can so that they actually get ownership over the skill. Then once they have that ownership over the skill, they'll bring it to carving and it'll fall right in place where it needs to be. I feel like most instructors have a series of tools they use in progressions to help their students achieve new levels of riding. So maybe it's garlands or maybe it's hops in a traverse, right? These little tricks and, and tips that we use with our students, I rarely see instructors using those same tools to develop themselves. So instead of going back and then making some retraction garlands or making some carved J turns, those same concepts of motor learning cycle and ways to develop skills for our students are just as applicable to your own riding. Yeah, teachers are sometimes the worst students themselves, aren't they? <laughs> 100%. All the time. Something I like to think about when I'm trying to train other people to be better at their snowboarding is the concept of pushing your limits or finding your limit. A lot of times we practice always in our comfort zone and we practice on terrain that we always feel comfortable with and we don't find the edge of our ability. Some people call this deep practice. There's a great book out there called The Talent Code, which talks a little bit about deep practice and how being on the edge of making mistakes while you're practicing and making very small mistakes that you can quickly make an adjustment and make a correction from is what builds skill and builds ownership over a task you might be trying to do or a skill you might be trying to learn. And so that to me is so important is finding the edge of your ability. And that's something that I know has served me really well is learning how to ride that edge and not go over it, but not go under it. And really just to the point where I'm starting to make mistakes and you gotta stay there for as long as you can. 
one of the really important parts of deep practice is knowing your comfort zone and warming up with your comfort zone. I think we especially see this with park tasks at exams where instructors, maybe they've got a front three on lock on their jump at their resort and they go and ride that line. It's a 20 foot medium box to a 10 foot rail to a 15 foot jump. And they've hit that line over and over and over again. And they're comfortable in that, but they don't spend enough time in there to push past the comfort zone into that deep practice. If all you're doing is one or two laps through the park, you're going to be really good at that comfort zone trick, your stock tricks on those features, but you're not going to have pushed yourself and pushed your ability safely to get to the edge of that comfort zone and start taking that trick to a different size jump or try start spinning in a different direction or spinning onto a box or spinning off of a box. Just in that freestyle realm, looking at deep practice, you have to spend enough time in the comfort zone to start wanting to push out of the comfort zone. Another thing I like to do is train in opposites. So I like to give myself a sensation of what, what I'm trying to achieve but I also need to give myself the sensation of what the opposite of that is. So something that comes to mind for me right away is the flexed at edge change movement pattern versus an extended at edge change movement pattern or the up and waiting versus the down and waiting or retraction. You might practice a lot of down and waiting to try to learn that, but you also need to go practice some up and waiting, some extended at edge change so you know what that feels like. Whenever you're looking at training something, Make sure that you're also training the opposite to it so that you're in touch with that feeling and then you'll know when you're doing the opposite of that and you'll know what it's like when you're actually doing the correct movement. Sometimes we get so locked into practicing something one way and you'll hear it sometimes in students. They'll go, oh, was that it? Did I do it? Was that it? And it's like, you should know. <laughs> you should know if you did it or not because you should have the physical awareness. So train yourself. Do one thing as many different ways as you can. Maybe one type of turn, one size or shape of turn with as many different movement patterns as you can. And that'll build real versatility and real awareness in your body of what you're actually doing. We talked about this a few weeks ago in our segment on how not to train for certification. And I think it is really key to, to build that proprioception for yourself so you know how you're performing within that possible range of performance for you. And you can kind of think about it like the Goldilocks of movements. If you make them too big and you make them too small, it's going to help you find that zone that's just right. Another area I think that really helps with training to improve your riding is finding a riding partner or a, a squad of, of friends that pushes you, motivates you, and that you accept feedback well from. Sometimes those don't go hand in hand. You might have some friends that really push you and motivate you, but who you don't receive feedback well from. And that, that's a crucial element. If there's somebody who you kind of prickle when they're giving you feedback or that you don't receive feedback from well, oftentimes that might be a significant other or a family relation, right? We, we, know, we know that we tend to not receive feedback as well from people that we're really close to. But find somebody that you really receive feedback well from and focus on getting out and riding with them so that you get that outside perspective. Uh, you want to be motivated, you want to be pushed, but you also need, they need to be people that you're, you're going to listen to and that you respect their feedback and that you're able to make changes from. Overall, I think the real takeaway from this is practice as many different ways as you can and in as many different environments as you can. That's what I know I've done as I went through the CERT process was I always looked at the tasks and I said, 
How many different ways can I do this task? What are the different terrain I can do this task on? Um, who are the different people I can get feedback on my writing about this task? And that's what I always found was the most valuable thing to me as I went through the certification process. Did you have anything that as you were going through learning, and obviously we're still learning every single day, but as you were going through the cert process, was there anything in particular you put in place for yourself, Chris? I think you hit the nail on the head with the concept of experiential learning there. We, we need to be out on the hill. We need to be practicing. We need to be building plans. Uh, for me, I actually kept a, a, an essentially a bit of a, a journal with a lot of the exam tasks grouped into different movement patterns and looked at that pretty regularly when I was going out for a few laps. What did I want to work on today? And really setting uh, some specific timely goals each time I went out to ride. So as I was training for my Cert 3, I knew that I was struggling with heel-to-heels and with switch retraction cars. And so those were elements that were showing up regularly as I was keeping notes on what I was riding and what I was practicing on as areas I felt like I needed to keep practicing on. And so then as that list got narrower, as I approached the exam, I spent more and more time on those areas that I was feeling weaknesses. But I also had that full list so I could look at, oh, I haven't actually gone to practice large radius carve turns in a while, I should probably do a couple of runs there. And so often we just focus on those areas we're feeling weaknesses on. Mm. And then exam day comes and you've practiced so hard on your heel to heels and your switch retraction cars. And then you fail something that you didn't think you needed to work on because you hadn't been uh, continuing to practice that. Yeah. And that comes down to training tasks, not skills. It's important that you're constantly practicing all the skills you'll need on your snowboard at any point in time and that's what good snowboarding is you watch a good snowboarder it's not that they know how to do one turn one way really well they might come down a face and make 20 turns and there's 20 different turns they make down that face every single one is different they're using something slightly different in every single one and that came from experience and practicing as many different ways as they can learning all those tools so that then they could assemble them into what they need at that point in time how do you motivate yourself to get out and go make laps on the morning? Like say you get cut from work and you're just sitting there. What is it that motivates you to go out and keep pushing yourself? It has to be fun. If I'm going to go out for a lap by myself, I just think about it has to be fun. And for me, fun is finding my limit. So if I'm going to do a carved turn, I got to push it over and tilt it. And I got to find that edge of it holding on um, to really have fun. So I've identified what I enjoy about snowboarding and I've tried to use that as a tool to keep me growing in skill. I enjoy the edge of things. I think that's really important too, is just is finding your, your internal motivation to go snowboard. There's days where we all just want to go sit in the locker room and have an extra cup of coffee. And that's important too. But if you find yourself perpetually sitting in the locker room, having an extra cup of coffee instead of riding, guess what? You're not improving your riding skills. Then we don't, we don't evaluate coffee drinking in our exams. True. What's your motivation to get out on the hill, Chris? My motivation to get out on the hill is is literally to go ride, to connect with that passion that got me into this in the first place. I like, similar to you, I like pushing that limit. I like going fast. I, if I've only got a couple of laps before I need to show up for work, just laying in some big carves, getting a, get, playing on some transition features, riding up some walls, uh, making, you know, making some high speed edge changes and feeling the sensations of my snowboard on fresh corduroy or in deep snow, whatever that is, especially before a lesson. If you only, if you know you've only got a couple of, of laps before you need to go work a low level lesson, that's my time to go push and go explore my range of motion and, and, and get those sensations that I might not get later in the day. Great. All right. Well, that's some training tips to improve your riding. 
from us and this is not a complete list so this is just a few things that myself and Chris have used over the years and things we've noticed in other people to get better. This is another of those spots that, that it would be great to hear from you. What are your training tips for improving your own riding? What have you used to motivate yourself to get out and ride? What have you seen in your own riding or in your own career that, that helped you improve your riding while you're working as an instructor? Great. So next week we'll be chatting about how to select the right equipment for you, some different options you may have, some technology that's out there you may want to consider. So please stay tuned for next week's episode. All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Snowboarding is a podcast by me, Chris Rogers. And me, Nick Alfieri. If you have any topics you'd like myself and Chris to discuss, um, any comments, questions, or concerns, please email us at learnedfromsnowboarding at gmail.com. Thanks. Um, we do have a break coming up. It is team training for us, and we are going to be taking a break from doing this. So we might not be releasing a podcast next week or maybe even the week after that as we roll into team training, fall conference, examiner training. So please stay tuned. Please stay updated and in touch with us on Facebook so that you can know when and where we're going to be releasing our podcasts. All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Snowboarding is a podcast by me, Nick Alfieri. And me, Chris Rogers. If you have thoughts on this week's episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can continue the conversation with us and other listeners on our Facebook page. You can also email us questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to discuss at our email address, learnedfromsnowboarding at gmail.com. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe, write a review, and help others find our show. Thanks for listening.